It's match day, and I know that today is a super stressful day for all of you for many, many reasons. Some of you may match, and a few of you won't, but just know that whatever happens, the timing is the best it can be, and that every day is a new day to follow your dreams. I'm grateful for all of you in our community for stepping up to protect us at a time where we are most vulnerable as a nation. I truly hope that those outside of the medical community know how much you do for us. Now, while today might not be the day you look to buy a home, that day will come around again and hopefully soon. So it's important to understand the relationship of working with a realtor and how they can help you find the right home for you. So even in those long hours and sleepless nights to come, let's continue to build your financial foundation together. What's up, everyone? I'm your host, Ryan Inman, and welcome back to the show. I'm so thankful for all of you being here. I know there's lots of things that you're doing and tons of content trying to grab your attention. So thank you again for being here and for honestly everything that you do. There's been a lot of volatility in the markets. Now, Monday's show is all about that. But I want to quickly say here, just stay the course, follow your investment policy statements, and don't panic during market turmoil. If you don't have an investment policy statement or a financial plan for that matter, these are honestly some of the reasons why you do this prior to markets going crazy. Now, if you're going to make any big financial decision based on recent events, reach out to us at Physician Wealth Services before you do, and we'd be happy to help you not make any huge financial mistakes. Special thank you also to Comp Health. There's a lot of podcasts out there, Murder Mysteries, Breaking News, Yes, that's even a podcast about garden gnomes. But instead, you're here learning about how to be the best physician you can be, which I think is a smart move from a financial standpoint. But do you know what else is a smart move? And that's working a locum tenens assignment with Comp Health, today's sponsor. I know you're thinking you already have a job, and that's the best part. You can work flexible locum assignments on the side for extra income, or you can work locums full-time too. And on top of all of that, locums almost always pays more on average. So head to financialresidency.com slash comp health and see what locums can do for you financially. Our link is also in the description of the show you're listening to us in right now. All right. My guest today is back for his second appearance, and that is Dr. John Ramey with drmoves.com. And we're going to talk all about the benefits of working with a realtor, what they do and why they do it. It was a really fun conversation that we had, and I think you all will love to hear it. So let's jump in and nerd out with John. John, welcome back on the show. Really excited to have you here. Thanks for having me again. It's always fun to see you and get to talk to you. Yeah, and I'm on the, the West Coast, which is how as I refer to as the correct coast, but or the best coast. <laughs> well, we're going to be chatting all about real estate agents, finding an agent, the role of an agent, all that kind of good stuff. So I'm excited to have you on talking about this because it's what you guys do a lot on, on drmoves.com. And I think we just start off hitting out with a bang. You know, what's the true role of a real estate agent when someone is looking at buying either their first home or just a new home? Start off, just introduce myself. So I'm an allergist immunologist in Charleston, South Carolina, and I got my real estate license about 12 years ago. My wife and I started a local real estate company and been doing that for 12 years. But about five years ago, we started a company called drmoves.com. And the big impetus behind that was that we found during at least my training, we got stuck with a lot of bad real estate agents. Mm -hmm. So we wanted to make sure that we could help 
medical students, residents, any type of doctor find a great real estate agent. Because just like there are great doctors out there, there's also some bad doctors out there. And so I think the big key is finding a great real estate agent who's really looking after your needs, whether that means buying a house, renting a house, or even investing. They can really help you if you find a great one. Mm -hmm. So to hit this on the true role of one is to really help you through that process to find an expert to basically hold your hand through the process. Because I I get this a lot on the financial advisor piece. Like, why would I hire a financial advisor? I can Google all this myself, right? It's kind of like when patients are like, well, I WebMD'd this piece and I think I have this, right? So why would someone hire an agent to help them rent a place or to buy a place as opposed to just winging it and doing it on their own? I think it's like a lot of other professionals, like a financial advisor or even a doctor. But I think what we're going through right now with the stock market dropping over 20 percent, it's nice to have a professional like a financial advisor you can call to kind of hold your hand and just say, "Okay, stay calm. Don't sell all your stocks now. It's the worst thing you can do. Same thing with a real estate agent is just I find a lot of people get emotional when they're buying a house. And when you do it yourself, I think a lot of times you make emotional decisions and somebody that can hold your hand and to help you say, hey, this is a great buy or this is not a good buy. Or when you go and get ready to sell in three years, this might be a hard house to sell because I've had houses in this neighborhood and it's been hard in the past. So I think having somebody that can help you think through the decision and make a good decision is what a, a good agent can help you do. Yeah, I agree. So my whole family's in real estate. And so I've been around this a lot. And the one thing that I've seen kind of over the years is that the banks really tell you, this is how much you not can afford. This is how much we're going to lend to you. And usually it's way more than you can afford. And a bad agent will then go, well, if you can afford this, because that's what the bank says, and obviously you don't do a full financial plan and picture for them then a bad agent really will go and try to hit that upper range because they earn that commission based on a percentage. I think good agents say, well, what can you actually afford and help kind of walk through those pieces? And then it's like any service business. You buy a house and if you have a good experience, you're going to tell your friends how great that agent was. But when you go to sell that house, because everyone thinks they have a forever home, but they don't. When you go to sell that house, you're likely to call the same agent if they did a good job. So if the agent's saying, hey, I wouldn't buy this house for X, Y, Z reason, they're also probably looking at the back end going like, well, when you call me to sell this house, here's the reason it's going to be really hard to probably move this house. Is that kind of a fair assessment? Yeah, I totally agree with you. I think a good agent, one of the first things they'll sit down with you is and just talk to you about what are your loans? What is your credit card debt? What is going in your life? And figuring out what your monthly payment's going to be. So when you're in your residency or whatever you're doing, you can afford it. You know, encouraging the person to meet with a financial planner so they can really figure out what their budget is, what they can't afford. Because you're exactly right. Banks give you the maximum that you can afford. They don't tell you, well, if your refrigerator breaks or you start paying your loans, can you really afford it? And I've seen it so many times over the years that especially residents, they go in and sometimes want to get the best house they can get and not, don't think about, can I afford this? And, you know, your job during residency is to really learn and to focus on your patients. And if you're having to worry every month, can I pay my mortgage or not? That's not a fun place to be. Yeah, you absolutely don't want to be in the point where you're like, well, now I got to go moonlight in order to pay for this house that I'm honestly not spending that much time at because I'm in the hospital because I'm a resident. Exactly. Don't buy too much house, which sometimes... When you look at residents and they get a little too ambitious and they do want to buy that bigger home, sometimes it doesn't make sense 
for a resident to buy a house. I think it really depends on the personal situation. Personal finance is personal. So if you are going to buy a house, I think a good agent will help you determine if now's the right time to buy or not. But it's hard to find that good agent. If you were to maybe say a couple of characteristics of a good agent, what would you think would make that up? Like if someone has no idea who is a good or a bad agent, like what would you say would be a couple of key features or key things to think about as you're talking to one? So what we try to do at DR Moves is that we try to partner people with agents that have worked with doctors in the past. So that'd be one of the first things I would ask is how many doctors have you worked with? Tell me about the doctors you've worked with, because I really think the realtor needs to understand, well, how close do you need to be at the hospital? What are the traffic patterns going back and forth? You know, I mean, you may be five miles away in some places and it may take you 30 minutes to get to the hospital. And so understanding traffic patterns and you know where you should live to get back and forth to the hospitals is important. I think also just having a realtor that's fine with you wanting to buy or rent. That's one thing that we try to do is help people make a good decision. Because again, the last thing we want people to do is be unhappy in three, five, seven years when they get a sell and say, hey, you didn't do a good job for us. And I think part of that decision is some people aren't meant to be homeowners. And so I think figuring that out first is, do I really want to be a homeowner? Do I want to have to fix broken stuff during residency? Do I want to cut grass? You know, do you want to do those things? And I think a good agent is going to help you do that. And then finally, you know, one of the nice things in today's time is there's a lot of great resources that review agents. So looking online at ZillowRealtor.com and all that and checking out references, not just going with the first realtor somebody recommends, go and see what 20 to 30 people have said about them and see if it's a good fit. I think that's really important. So we've kind of defined what a good agent would look like, but we haven't really talked to one necessarily, how do you find a good agent? And when you do get fined or say, you know, that you're working at drmoves.com and match you up with one, but what are some of the other pieces that they could talk or ask questions to that agent to make sure that they feel comfortable? Because there's a comfort level too. That's a big thing. Because you have to trust that that person is not only an expert, but giving you the right advice. Right. I think one of the first tests that I like to do is call and leave a message for the agent or try to get in touch with them and see how long they take to get back with you. If an agent takes over 24 hours and doesn't call you back, that might tell you they're too busy for you and stuff like that. So that's one thing that I, I would recommend because it's very frustrating, especially as a resident. A lot of times you come down over one weekend to look at houses and you want somebody that's going to be responsive and call you back and answer your questions. So that's one quick test. Another question to ask them is, you know, who do you recommend for a doctor's line? If they give you a blank stare and they're like, what is a doctor's line? Probably should run because there's a lot of real estate agents out there that have no clue what doctor loans are. And you know, I don't recommend doctor loans 100% for people, but I, I do think your agent should know about them and know about banks that offer them because with doctor loans, you probably want to get quotes from two to three banks because it's not just the rate, it's the, all the fees they charge. And so you might get a great rate, but then they tack on you know a lot of fees. So I think talking to several different banks is always a good idea also. I completely agree. Our community has been on fire with how many questions have come in just this the past few weeks on mortgages and refinancing, because essentially as rates dropped, like every home was eligible in the country for refinance. So it was, you know, who do I refinance? Who are the good people, the bad people? So after they get connected with an agent, however that may look like, they've said, hey, this person kind of passes the test, right? That I can trust them. I know that they're going to do a good job for me. What do they sign in order to get that process going and how legally binding and how long is that usually going to look? 
when they sign that agreement with the agent? So, you know, each state is a little bit different. They all have different real estate laws, but typical, you know, an agent's going to ask you to sign an agency agreement. And what that's doing is that's committing you to work with that agent. And here in South Carolina, the recommendation is that you get client to sign it the first time you meet them. Well, we don't like to do that at our company. We like to meet the people and make sure the people are comfortable with us first before we get them to sign it. But it really is a legally binding document once you sign it. And it's really what it's saying is you feel comfortable with this agent and they're going to represent you. It also gives you some legal protections also once you assign it, like confidentiality until you sign that in a lot of states, the, you know, the agent doesn't have to keep what you tell them confidential. So for example, if you tell an agent something and then you don't sign with them. And then next thing you know, you're buying a house from them. They're the listing agent. What you told them, they may can go and run to their clients and say, hey, they just offered 230000 but they told me that they can go up to two sixty and stuff like that. So it really protects both parties when you sign that. So what I would say is just make sure you feel comfortable with the agent. And most good agents, even when you sign it, if there's a big problem or something happens, most agents will work with you and let you out of them. It's not 100%, but a lot of agents don't want to make you work with them either. So, but it protects both parties with those agreements. Yeah. I mean, why would an agent want to have someone that's pissed off in the day of social media, knowing that they can get blasted every which way, right? You say, go to Zillow, go to these places and look at reviews. Well, you sign an agreement and they do a bad job. That's going to look really poorly on them because you're probably going to be the one that goes and says, hey, this guy or gal did not do a great job. We're not happy. And that looks bad on them. What's the typical duration of working with an agent? If you can't find a house or you can't afford a house, you're trying to figure out maybe real estate's running up and you just can't afford to buy something. Like what's that typical duration of that contract? It's negotiable. So there's not like a set amount. I'd say most agents want you to sign three to six months because again, it protects the agent too because the agent doesn't want, want to go out and give hours and hours of their time and then not make anything from it. So you know, most agents want to see a commitment from the other party too to go out because again, the agent does not get paid anything until the house closes. And so you can understand that that you don't want to be away from your family for hours on end if you don't have some hope that you're going to get paid for it. But one of the things we do do at DR Moves, and I think this is really important, is most of the agents that we find want to do a great job because they know if they do a great job for us, we're going to send more doctors their way. And so if there's ever an agent that client doesn't like or has an issue with, they can call us up and say, hey, we're not having a great time and we're happy to talk with them and try to work it out. We can't 100% guarantee if they've signed an agency agreement, they'll let them out of the agreement. But we can tell them, say, hey, this person's really unhappy. If you don't work it out, we can't send you any more clients in the future. So that's one thing I think that's an extra benefit that if you just go out and sign up on your own with an agent, you don't have somebody working on your behalf too. There's an ulterior piece to that, right? They've got to not only appease the, the clients because you want to do a good job for your clients, otherwise you have no referral business. Two, you don't want to get blasted on Yelp equivalents. And three, you don't want the person that sent you that client to be pissed off and not send you anything. So they have a lot of incentives to do a good job other than just also being a good person, which hopefully they are. But it goes to the next point that I really wanted to address because everyone doesn't like to dance around this issue. And I think it's actually really black and white with agents and as it should be. But how do they get paid? How does an agent, you sign an agreement, you're not paying them anything to find this house. So obviously they want to lock you in for three to six months because they want to do a lot of work and help you out. But how do they get paid? Yeah. So it's a little different if you're working with a buyer versus a listing. So we'll start with if you're helping a buyer find a house. So if you're helping a buyer, 
on the listing side, the person selling the house has already agreed to pay typically a certain percentage of the listing. And that varies. It's not set anywhere in the country. It's negotiable. And so typically, you know, agents, it varies probably somewhere between one to 3% is what they're going to make. And so if you're on the buyer side, you're not really negotiating that because it's already set up for what the listing person has agreed. Now, on the other hand, if you're getting ready to list your house, then you're going to agree to what to pay the buyer's realtor and the seller's realtor. And again, that's negotiable. And, you know, usually in the country is five to 6% total. Again, that's negotiable. There are flat fee real estate companies too, that you pay, pay a flat fee to. So again, you got to ask a lot of questions, especially if you're listing your house, you need to find out, you know, can you work with this agent? Is this agent, you know, how many houses does this agent sold? I think just like a physician, I think physicians become better at what they do the more cases they've done. And so you much rather have a surgeon that's done 500 cases than a person probably right out or a resident that's done five. And so same thing for realtor. You want to ask, well, how many houses did you sell last year? Well, I sold one for my mom. That's probably not the person you want to work with. I would say a bare minimum is probably 25 to 30 a year is what a, a good realtor's doing. But there are realtors out there that sell a lot more than that too. So I'd say bare minimum, you want to find somebody that's probably doing in the 20 range to work with. Yeah. I mean, too many, then they have a group and you're really just managing within the group and you're just a number too few. And they're really learning on you, which is not going to be pleasant. So you got to have that delicate balance and hopefully they've got some experience, but still pride themselves on customer service. I completely agree. It's anywhere between one and 3%. But when you're going and selling your home, this is where you can kind of maneuver around, right? If you're saying, hey, I'm only going to pay 1% to the agent that brings me a buyer, your home probably isn't going to be viewed by many people who hired an agent because the agent's going, well, I can go over to Ryan's house. He's going to pay me 1%. But John's house, if I go show his house and he's going to pay me 3%, well, I make three times more money for the same amount of work. So you can't lowball. Otherwise, no one will come see your house unless it's someone who's not working with an agent. And if you pay too much, I think that's fine, but then you're probably going to have to maybe ask a little bit more money for the home in order to cover some of the costs on that piece. So depends how quick you need to sell things as well. I think as it everything in life, it all depends on it. But a good agent should be able to tell you, hey, homes in this area are selling for X, Y, Z. Here's what the typical listing fees are. Here's what your expected closing costs are and kind of flow through the whole piece with that. One question I get, and I think we can round out with this one, is when you hear the word comps and people get confused with that and it means comparables, but can you just talk through a little bit about what the comps are and why an agent is pulling these to really show them to either a prospective buyer or seller? Yeah. So when you get to the point you're ready to make an offer on a house, you want to pull any houses that have sold in that neighborhood. And typically, Good comps are in the last six months and then closer to the date of sale, even better. So most appraisers are going to pull comps that are comparables that are in the last six months. And it's always better to try to find houses in your own neighborhood. If there hadn't been any sold in your neighborhood, then you have to find properties that are close and similar to that. So it's always more tricky. So that's another thing where an agent can really help you out is if you're buying a house and they don't sell many houses in that neighborhood, finding things that are similar to make sure you make a, a good offer. Again, it's interesting when you're buying a house, you're always trying to get the best deal. That's your goal. But what a lot of people when they're buying a house is the comps say the house is worth 250000 Most likely the sellers aren't going to take 200000 
And that's a hard thing to tell a lot of first-time home buyers, especially is that you know this home probably has you know an intrinsic value if it's two fifty, probably between two forty and two sixty. So they're not going to most likely, unless they're really need to sell or there's something else going on in their life, that they're just going to sell it for a lot less than that. That's where comps really come in handy. Is that this is what things are selling for, and you're probably going to be within five percent of that range in the end, unless you just happen to get a really good deal. I think that's well said. And it, it, I guess I lied this. I'll bring this to my last point is that unlike the stock market where you can see bid ass spreads, right? What someone's willing to buy, what someone's willing to sell, it's always available as long as the market is open and you know the price because that is what's trading in milliseconds. Essentially, real estate is antiquated. It doesn't have that type of structure. There's no technology to show you what the up to minute price is. And so an agent will help you determine what is a fair price. Now, if you walk through the house, you're going to obviously get inspections of all sorts of stuff. I've talked about even when Taylor and I did all the inspections on our house, we still found things that we had the seller fix, some stuff we had to do on our own. But those things need to be factored into the price and an agent can help you negotiate what you should be paying, who should be paying for what. Obviously, they're signing this to help you out and to help you with the negotiations. But John, thank you so much for being on. Last time we talked, we were talking about medical surveys and all sorts of cool ways to leverage your medical degree. We get to talk about real estate and nerd out on this for a bit, you know, but where can everyone find out all the cool stuff you're doing, the landing pages, the groups, like you've got lots of fun stuff going on. Yeah. So just come to drmoves.drmoves.com. And again, the site's not just for physicians, dentists, any type of doctor, you know, they have loans for them. I have chiropractors contact me. I have all kind of had a doctor of audiology contact me this morning, you know, asking about loans. So we can help a lot of different types of doctors. When you contact us, we typically will match you up with an agent in 24 hours. It's totally free of cost. Again, it's no commitment to have to use that person. You get to meet them, talk to them. And if you get there and you don't hit it off, call us back. We'll find you another agent. But there's no commitment to using it. But it takes out a lot of the pressure you having to do the research and finding somebody that will be good. We do that for you. So happy to answer questions. Email us. Call us. We'd love to help. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here and taking the time to do this. And of course, it's match day. So it's our special episode we're tossing out for everyone. And congratulations. Congratulations on, on the match and excited for all of you to continue your medical journey. And it's exciting stuff. It's long hours ahead, but there is a light there. It's coming. Well, John, thank you so much for being on. I really appreciate your time. It was a lot of fun. Thanks for having me. Well, it was fun talking with John and I appreciate him coming on the show again to talk with us. Now, for our quick community update, there's honestly a few things I want to say. One, our Facebook community just has been on fire. If you haven't joined us, please do financialresidency.com slash community because there were so many great questions and comments. I've honestly tried to be as active as I possibly can to help ease some of the anxiety and fear that is surrounding the financial moves that are happening Now, while I won't even pretend to truly understand the complexities of the virus, I do understand the markets and the financial side of this, and I want to help all of you feel more comfortable about the situation we're in. Now, it's not a pleasant one, but we will get through this and we will be off on the other side. Just stay the course, review your financial plan, and make sure that you don't make any large financial decisions right now. If you don't have a plan, well, guess what? Now is the time. Now, usually we have a thousand excuses as why we don't have one in place or why we don't want to do one. There's lots of things competing for our time. Now, right now, many of you have one really huge reason why you not be able to create one. 
But as spouses at home, this is your time to shine. Stop delaying putting together the pieces of your financial plan. Honestly, take it one step at a time. Remember, Rome wasn't built in a day. Piece by piece, you'll be able to create a plan. And when the dust settles, make sure you bring your spouse in so they can get their dreams and wishes, their ideal life built into it as well. Please stay safe. Everyone in the community is in my thoughts. And thank you again for manning the front lines. You all, my wife included, are so brave and inspiring. I hope this podcast gives you just some small sense of escape from the chaos. This is for entertainment purposes only. Do not take this as investment advice. My dad is only a fiduciary for his clients. Have a great day. Bye.